everyone, and welcome to the Sex Ed Podcast. This is Kaylee. And this is Jen. Today, we're talking about the history of kink and BDSM. Kinky. Kinky. We're talking about so much kink. Pretty much exclusively kink is what we're talking about today. (laughs) I'm just going to say that we're not going to be able to get to every single kink. (laughs) Yeah. But kind of, we'll be touching on a couple main ones and kind of the history of, of how they started and became you know, kind of intertwined with sex. And we're going to be talking about BDSM, like, very generally and as a whole. Ooh. Well, it sounds like we are in for a very fun and informative episode. So we hope you enjoy. So, Jen... I know you've been researching this topic a lot. Why don't we start with yes. history of the ancients? Ooh, ancient history. Basically, humans have been engaging in what I'm calling BDSM-like activities. Um, because BDSM <laughs> is like a community and how it was in history is not necessarily what it is today. So it wouldn't have been called BDSM, obviously. There weren't maybe even specific words for it outside of the actual act of like maybe hitting someone or whipping someone. So mm-hmm. um, I'm calling them BDSM-like activities for that reason. <laughs> and the earliest mention or like recording of what we would know today as sadomasochism and domination was relating to a goddess called Inanna and later Ishtar, who was a Mesopotamian goddess as we know, Mesopotamia is like the cradle of civilization. This is around the time that human beings were moving from nomadic lifestyles, tribal lifestyles to civilized Mm -hmm. societies, quote unquote, where we were all coming together to farm stuff and like live together. It's the Minecraft times. Minecraft times, exactly. (laughs) So really early human history. Stories of Inanna include her dominating men by forcing mm-hmm. them to bow to her, whipping her followers, like with an actual whip, <laughs> into Ooh. a, quote, sexual frenzy Whoa. while they danced for her. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I want my bachelorette party to be. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait until you hear what else Inanna likes to do. <laughs> so writings about these rituals included mention of cross-dressing and like transformation you know, from one thing to another during these rituals, pain and ecstasy and orgies. Mm -hmm. So like, again, a lot of mixing of pain sensations, but also Uh like reaching sort of higher levels of consciousness and understanding and ecstasy, quote unquote. And then my favorite thing about Inanna is that she worshiped her own vagina. Ooh. So what does that look like? (laughs) No idea. There was no (laughs) description, but I just like to know it was a thing. Is that like you give it little offerings and... Yeah, maybe. Or you're just like, my vagina is so great. It is the best. I love you. (laughs) Have you heard of our Lord and Savior, my vagina? (laughs) (laughs) Just door to door. And then she starts whipping you. You're like, what the fuck, Nana? Stop. (laughs) So yeah, that's like the earliest mention of pseudomasochism and domination specifically. Um, And then you know, history moves on as it always does. And we get to ancient Rome and Greece and we know some freaky shit was happening in ancient Rome and Greece. If you know anything (laughs) about them, you know, they were freaky. So (laughs) literally the first sentence in my notes is ritual flagellation was everywhere. (laughs) Wait, can you describe what that is? Yeah. Flagellation is generally speaking hitting. It's usually done with like a whip or cat of nine tails or like some 
implement. Mm -hmm. So what we might call impact play today. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we see throughout history, it's used as punishment, but in ancient Roman Greece, it wasn't always punishment. Mm -hmm. It was also used as like initiation into religious rites. So, you know, you sort of have to go through some pain or some like sacrifice to, Mm -hmm again, reach some sort of higher understanding or be welcomed into some community. Like Greek life. Yeah, (laughs) literally Greek life. It's like from ancient Greece. From a sexual perspective, there are several known tomb and temple paintings that depict um, impact during sex. For example, Mm -hmm. in Italy's Tomb of the Floggings, which is very descriptive, you can imagine (laughs) that there is a painting that depicted a woman getting whipped by two men during a, quote, erotic tryst. And I can just explain to you, she's like getting Eiffel Towered and they're hitting her. So (laughs) now that you have that image. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So this tomb was built around the 5th century BCE Mm -hmm. and most likely dedicated to Dionysus, which is a god associated with debauchery, Mm -hmm. but also with like partying and wine and having a good time. So again, we see like duality of maybe some pain and quote unquote, debauchery but also Mm -hmm. like this is a joyous thing as well Mm -hmm. interesting moving from ancient roman greece to the kama sutra so now we're in india what do you know about the kama sutra um i know a little bit i know that there it's like everyone talks about it as being like a book of sex positions and you see it in a lot of pop culture like i'm thinking of sex in the city Mm -hmm. in particular yeah i think back when borders bookstore was a thing and people used to hang out there. My friends and I would like go to the sex section and like find the Kama Sutra and be like, oh my God. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So sex positions, but it's also like a broader guide on life and relationships and happiness. So there's stuff in there about like flirting and also both gay and queer and straight relationships. And then there's reference here to BDSM as well. So Mm. it talks about sexual biting, scratching, slapping, and screaming, including a chapter called, quote, types of scratching with the nails. (laughs) And then it also details four different types of hitting that are permissible, quote unquote, during sex. (laughs) So this is nice because we start to get references to like consent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It also distinguishes people who like this type of pain during sex and people who don't. So it cautions people to only engage in this if the activities are, quote, joyful. So it specifically Mm -hmm. calls out you shouldn't be, like, harming people. There are people who don't like this. There are certain types of pain that you should engage in and types you should stay away from. So the Kama Sutra was already probably pretty progressive, but, like, extremely progressive. Yeah. (laughs) Now, looking back. I didn't know that. Isn't that cool? I have always thought of it as, like, just, like, almost like a picture book. Yeah. No, there's like instructions and stuff too. But yeah, the, the sexual positions are usually illustrated. So that would be why we thought of it as a picture book. Yeah. I mean, you kind of need that. It's it's right. hard to describe things sometimes. <laughs> Some of those positions, right. <laughs> I get confused about anything that's like more complicated than doggy style. So yeah. <laughs> illustrations are nice. <laughs> and then we also have ancient Japan, which is a little later on in ancient histories. In the 1500s, Japanese warriors invented hojujitsu, which is an intricate rope art that mm-hmm. was used by warriors during war. Obviously, that's where warriors exist. It was designed to restrain <laughs> enemies specifically. And then sometimes these enemies would be like paraded through town to humiliate oh. them. The idea was not necessarily to kill people, but to like restrain them artfully 
and <laughs> be like, haha, you got caught. <laughs> so this is a precursor to what we know today as shibari, which is an intricate bondage art. Yes. Also invented in Japan. So now we're moving into like more modern history. So we're getting okay. into like colonial era. It's like a 1700s. Lot of, yeah, 1700s-ish. A lot of it, a lot of the history now tends to be really Eurocentric because mm-hmm. of colonialism and stuff. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Society starts to be mm-hmm. more strict and structured. So what flew in like ancient Greece and Rome is not going to fly in Europe and the places it's colonizing in the 1700s. So mm-hmm. we start to see depictions of flagellation again as, as punishment specifically. So there's no, not a lot of ecstasy involved, not a lot of like ritual religious stuff involved. It's like punishment, especially mm-hmm. for perhaps people you employ or like older people imposing on younger people mm-hmm. for not, you know, abiding by the strictness of society at this time. So we start to see some salacious stories being printed because this is around the time that like mass printing is Mm -hmm. starting and really taking off. So a lot of times these stories like flip the tables and they have the employee hitting or whipping the employer. Mm -hmm. So it was like a role reversal of society at this time too. Yeah. And it was kind of like, again, punishment for like being mistreated or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe seeing someone as higher than you that didn't deserve to be. Right. It's not explicitly sexual, even if there is some depiction of like partially nude bodies or like bare butts. Mm -hmm. We're starting (laughs) to see this more in terms of like punishment. Right. And then we move to like my least favorite part of BDSM history, probably the Marquis de Sade. This Mm -hmm. dude makes me sad. Why is it your least favorite? I will explain. <laughs> so the term sadism comes from the Marquis de Sade. Oh, that makes like, sense. It's taken from his name. <laughs> right. Yes. So he was a French nobleman, a Marquis specifically. Wait, can I interrupt? I just love your note. This guy was unsavory. <laughs> I <Yes>. love that. <laughs> later, later it says, I don't like to spend time on him because he makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. He wrote extreme BDSM stories and like not just extreme for the 1700s like we talked about like oh someone's bare bottom like they were extremely violent Mm -hmm. they depicted murder mixed in with sex abuse of minors no consent to be found anywhere his most well-known piece of literature (laughs) is called 120 days of Sodom and it just depicts like a group of people essentially like raping each other and doing like gross shit. It's kind of like shock jockey. Like it seems like it was written just to be grotesque mm-hmm. and terrible. It's kind of sad that sadism gets its name from this guy because there's so much other history of sadism that seems to be based in consent, like yeah. stuff in the Kama Sutra or based in at least at the very least ecstasy if it wasn't mm-hmm. if it wasn't overtly uh, consensual. So he spent a lot of his time in and out of prisons and asylums, largely avoiding accountability and essentially death because this mm-hmm. was something that you would be put to death for because he was a rich white guy. So yeah, that's the Marquis de Sade. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Yes. That's like if some kind of, of sex thing in the future is named after Epstein. Right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, ew, stop. <laughs> Can't we call like terrible. Any, anyone else really? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It also kind of, comes from the understanding or maybe lack of understanding Mm -hmm. of human sexuality at this time. Like sadomasochism was viewed as very deviant and harmful. And so they named it after someone who 
was very deviant and harmful, right? Like you didn't want to be a sadist. Ah, so, so it's kind of on purpose. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Kind of definitely meant meant to other people. Yeah. At the same time, well, maybe not at the same time, actually almost 100 years later, <laughs> <laughs> this dude named Leopold von Sacker Masek, who I think I'm pronouncing the name right, um, an Aus- mm-hmm. Austrian journalist, wrote a book called Venus in Furs, which mm-hmm. I think is pretty well known. It's a cool name. This was in 1870. Yeah. And masochism is derived from this guy's name, Sacker Masek. Mm-hmm. So Venus and Furs tells the story of a man who's so infatuated with a woman that he he asks to be her slave. He wants to be her slave. Mm-hmm. So it starts out with her kind of agreeing to it tentatively, and then progressively he like goads her into degrading him more, humiliating him more, like being more violent with him. Interesting. Yeah. But he's asking so for it. So this sounds exactly <laughs> Better. So we're like a step above yeah. the Marquis de Sade, right? Where like at least it's consensual, right? And it sort of investigates like how love can be cruel and how far you can push somebody mm-hmm. in the name of like love and devotion, right? Which I'm not advocating for these things, but I'm just saying like at least it is trying to deal like with complicated human emotion and yeah. is much less extreme than de Sade's work. Right. It was also pretty popular at the time. Huh. So as I sort of mentioned psychologists in the 1800s as well are starting to categorize human sexuality. People like Freud especially are doing this, which like, hmm, Freud. (laughs) But (laughs) sadomasochism Mm -hmm. is obviously labeled as dysfunctional like right off the bat. And Freud, because he is a misogynist, thinks that women are predispositioned to be submissive and men to be dominant and, and talks about how they need to sort of like fight those natures. Other psychologists are also looking into sadomasochism specifically. And this is kind of the only quote-unquote kink that is defined at the time like nothing else about bdsm and human sexuality is sort of noted by psychologists they only sort of talk about wanting to receive pain and wanting to give pain and how fucked up it is so wait so are these things that they would maybe put someone in an asylum for that i don't know i don't think it was like this man loves to hit people and and gets off on it, right? And like, oh, throw him in the asylum. Like, you could just be like, that lady's a witch for having a mole. (laughs) But but it was definitely, like, noted as something that happened and was super dysfunctional. But there was also, like, psychology at the time was, like, not very well developed, right? Like, this is before the DSM. This is before you know, really serious, like, psychologists and certainly before psychiatrists, right? So psychology itself is almost a fringe science, right? Right. It's just kind of coming about. Yeah. Anyways, so now we're we're past Freud, which brings us closer to, like, the 20th century, right? Yes. We're starting to get into the 20th century. Modern times. Modern? Well, kind of. We're talking about the 1920s, so still 100 years ago. um, (laughs) That's pretty much, I mean, we're going through the same shit right now, so... Right, yeah. I mean, this is like women get the right to vote in the 1920s, so we're getting closer. After World War One, society starts to sort of loosen up again, obviously, in the 1920s, the mm-hmm. roaring 20s. People are partying, they're having sex. In Europe specifically, like sex clubs begin to open, sex parties begin to happen. It's still like very fringe and like not socially acceptable, but society is like a little bit looser. Mm-hmm. All that obviously shuts down in the 1930s, but by then printing is super common and things are starting to get printed that aren't just the newspaper, Mm -hmm. like comics and stuff. So we start to see porn comics being printed and circulate. So some of these start to depict like dominance and fetish wear 
most of them are about women dominating men because that's like a very, very much a subversion of gender roles and norms mm -hmm. at the time. So we're starting to get into people being like, ooh, curious of like things that are not commonly presented, mm -hmm. especially since advertising otherwise at this time is like super sexist. <laughs> <about> <laughs> men dominating women. Like, have you seen those old advertisements that are like, yeah. The wife is like, sorry, honey, I burned dinner. And the husband's like, at least you didn't burn the beer. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> this was not like mainstream stuff. Like, we, you know, we start, this is just the depiction of what BDSM is at the time. Yeah. The mainstream was always <laughs> men being dominant over women, right? But the reason why this was like so salacious or people were interested in it is because it like really subverted gender roles and gender norms at the time. So yeah, we start to see comics like this being printed and they continue to be pretty popular through the 1940s and the mm -hmm. 1950s where we start to see the more modern fetish aesthetic happening. Mm -hmm. So specifically with pinup models like Betty Page, she was massively popular and she was often depicted in like very tight black leather, mm -hmm. shiny clothing, high heels. She was either dominating people with like a crop or mm -hmm. a whip or stepping on people, or she was, you know, bound, her her arms and legs were bound. So we start to see this aesthetic emerging in some comics and magazines. But you can you can kind of see a similarity to another popular comic around this time, which was Wonder Woman, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, she's got like really similar coiffed hair. Uh-huh. She's Wonder Woman specifically, is in like a bodysuit similar to what Betty Page would normally wear. She's in like thigh-high boots. Wonder Woman also has a lasso that she whips people with, that she ties people up with. So this is a really interesting sort of piece of BDSM uh, history. William Marston, who wrote Wonder Woman or, mm -hmm. you know, created the character, based it on his two partners he had at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he believed he was that poly. <laughs> women were... He was poly and a feminist. Like, what? Where did he come from? <laughs> he believed specifically that women were strong and powerful and that, like, the world was moving in the direction of having women leaders. And he wanted to prepare people to, to see women in charge and women, like, kicking ass. So lots of domination themes as well mm -hmm. <laughs> through that. Yeah, so that's, like, a popular aesthetic. From a psychological standpoint, we start to see people a little more accepting of, like, some alternate sexualities. Whoa. Um, Alfred Kinsey, who mm -hmm. created the Kinsey scale, as we <laughs> are so familiar with, just to refresh people's memories. The Kinsey scale is like a scale of heterosexuality and homosexuality with exclusively heterosexual on one end and exclusively homosexual on the other end. And then there are like several stages in between of bisexuality, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's a gaydar. <laughs> it's a gaydar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Alfred Kinsey studied a lot of different parts of human sexuality, even though the Kinsey scale might be the thing that he's best known for. Mm -hmm. In his studies, he finds that people have, like regular normal people, have experienced, again, BDSM-like things during mm -hmm. sex relatively often. So things like biting and scratching happen mm -hmm. relatively often. Well, more things like openly hitting someone or slapping them or like dominant submissive roles happen less often. So we're starting to see these activities be like a little more accepted rather than like sadomasochism is always dysfunctional and terrible and mm -hmm. you have to fight it and whatever. So the DSM comes out, like the first edition of the DSM comes out around this time. I don't exactly know what date. The DSM? Yes. The DSM is a diagnostic manual mm. for psychology. Okay. 
what does it stand for? Yes, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Okay. So right now they're on the DSM-5, but the DSM-1 came out like way back when. And it it's tries to categorize lots of human behavior, including like functional and dysfunctional psychological and psychiatric disorders. Mm-hmm. So it's like very broad. But they include paraphilias, which is the clinical psychological term for kinks, essentially. Okay. I am not sure exactly how many paraphilias were categorized, but like mm-hmm. the acknowledgement that people have quote unquote paraphilias yeah. was included in the DSM. That's a big deal. In a good way or a bad way? I can't say for sure, but I don't <laughs> I think a lot of things were included in a bad way in the first DSM. Like homosexuality was, you know, mm-hmm. not great in the first DSM and and, and a lot of subsequent editions of the DSM, you know, homosexuality and a lot of other, mm-hmm. you know, non-straight <laughs> sexual practices were yeah. seen as as dysfunctional. Yeah. So it was probably still listed as dysfunctional. Today, I know for sure that paraphilias are still included in the DSM. It's not necessarily that it's bad, but I mean, it is probably like something diagnosable since like, you know, not everyone. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And they note for sure that like lots of people have paraphilias. You can have paraphilias and be in a healthy, consenting sexual mm-hmm. relationship. So it's not like all of them are terrible <laughs> in, in the current DSM. Right. Okay. So the DSM came out. The first the DSM one. came out and was like, these things are, they exist. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just sadomasochism, you know, it was like more. And yeah. it's starting to become a little more normalized or at the very least a little more understood. Right. Also around this time or around the 40s, 50s or so, we see the gay leather culture coming up. Mm-hmm. So this came out of men returning, usually from World War II, mm-hmm. returning from the military, and they're queer. So they sort of felt like society didn't have a place for them. They kind right. of created their own leather culture that had strict rules like the military, had a very specific way of dressing like the military that included leather, obviously. Mm-hmm. So leather chaps and pants and hats and sometimes military regalia as well, like, as well, like sailor costumes and military uniforms. And motorcycle culture was also huge in leather culture. So the aesthetic was extremely masculine uh-huh. and emphasized power, which was also a subversion of the typical depiction of gay men at this time. They were right. seen as very clean and very effeminate and like Typical terms for gay men at this time were friend of Dorothy's or <laughs> late in the loafers, right? Like they were very much <laughs> wow. described to be very effeminate. And mm-hmm. so obviously gay men span the gamut of yeah. every possible gender <laughs> expression. Mm-hmm. So they sort of, you know, leather culture at the time really rejected that. Mm-hmm. Um, a popular aesthetic in gay leather culture was Tom of Finland. Mm-hmm. He was popular in like calendars and magazines and comic books at the time. And he was very muscular, usually in leather. So that is that is the aesthetic people are going for at this time in gay leather culture. That is like a very, very basic overview of gay leather culture. Leather culture is very detailed and a very important part of queer history. Um, so I don't want people to feel like I'm skimming over it or anything, but that is just a, a basic yeah. overview. In the context of BDSM, leather culture ties in really well. I mean, obviously the aesthetic is very similar tight clothing, black mm-hmm. leather. <laughs> and then most leather clubs at the time include fetish and kink play. Okay. So because because leather culture is very 
regimented and it holds in high regard people having specific roles, like mm-hmm. dominant and submissive roles, a high emphasis on following rules, addressing people based on your role, like, you know, calling people sir and whatnot. Mm-hmm. At the time, like I said, being gay was considered an alternate sexuality. Like it was listed in the in the DSM as like sexually dysfunctional to, to mm-hmm. be homosexual considered at the time. So being kinky was kind of a natural extension of exploring sex with people of the same sex, right? Like, right. You know, we're already two guys fucking, which is considered dysfunctional. Like, let's see if we can tie each other up. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, people are exploring their sexuality and kink comes into it as they explore it. Because of this high emphasis on specific rules and specific people having specific roles in the community, the original group of leather gays who were into BDSM and sort of brought together the community, like the BDSM community, mm-hmm. as we know it today, is called Old Guard. Okay. And again, they they have a high emphasis on like structure mm-hmm. and rules and roles. Mm-hmm. The new guard we'll get into in a second, but they are less about structure. Okay. Anyway, this BDSM subculture and leather grew more and more public, especially as gay liberation and gay rights were happening. Lesbians start having their own leather culture and leather groups in the 1980s. Dykes on Bikes is mm-hmm. invented or brought to life in San Francisco, which is like <laughs> leather dykes on motorcycles. So again, this harkens back Hell to yeah. the original culture of the 1940s and 1950s leather culture that was mm-hmm. very focused on motorcycles. You know, more and more queer people are are gaining their rights. The subculture is kind of coming out into the open. And then mm-hmm. the 90s hits us right in the face <laughs> and brings us the internet. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Al Gore. And... <laughs> um, <laughs> Now, all of a sudden, we have, like, access to porn and sexualities and all types of sex stuff via the internet. So BDSM really starts to become more and more popular as people Mm -hmm. can gain access to it. Yeah. As more and more people who, you know, are not part of maybe these previously thought to be alternate lifestyles, quote unquote, like people who are not gay, for example, or people who are not involved in leather, like start to get into BDSM, it gives rise to what we call the new guard. Mm -hmm. There's debate on whether or not a distinction between the old guard and the new guard is really important or how different they are. Mm -hmm. Because BDSM in general, like relies on specific rules, following specific rules and having roles like dominant submissive roles and specific traditions. And so, you know, those have not been necessarily abandoned. But some people say the main difference between the old guard and the new guard is that the new guard relies a lot on psychological play. Okay. So like incorporating how people feel into the play and less on like ensuring that other people act according to their role mm-hmm. and more about like BDSM within the context of like intimate partnerships. Okay. You know, linking BDSM specifically to, to sexual play mm-hmm. rather than like around a community. Right. Even though, obviously, the BDSM community is, like, alive Mm -hmm. and well today, (laughs) thanks to, mostly to the internet. So, that brings us up to today, where the internet, obviously, still around, still a thing, (laughs) still, still bringing sex, like, right to, in front of your face from your computer screen. More so than ever, honestly. Right. (laughs) Like, a lot, like, a lot of sex right in front of your face. And as we know from like pop culture references, like we've discussed ad nauseum at this point, like the movie Secretary or Fifty mm-hmm. Shades of Grey or, um, you know, some other material. So things that might have been considered taboo even 10 years ago or like, you know, in the 80s or 90s even mm-hmm. are part of normal sexuality today. Like you can find handcuffs and rope and yeah. nipple clamps and 
like impact instruments at your regular sex shop. Mm-hmm. Also, like don't don't get actual metal handcuffs because they can cause nerve damage, but you can find them at your sex shop. Mm-hmm. Even in other parts of life, like there's a BDSM social network called FetLife and a few other, you know, BDSM centric dating websites and the communities are like alive and well despite COVID. There are tons of groups and like IRL meetups, some of which are kinky in nature and like people mm-hmm. play at and some of which are like totally vanilla and like no play happens, but like, you know, your social your social life is still around, you know, groups of kinky people. So I wouldn't say it's like totally mainstream, but I think there's a lot better understanding of yeah. kinks and how they play into sexuality and how they're not like terrible, awful, dysfunctional things. And most people have kinks and yeah. engage with them consensually and mm-hmm. pleasurably. So if if you're in San Francisco, you've probably heard of or seen Folsom Street Fair or the um God, I never remember its name. There's like a, a smaller, more cool person gay version. Dory Alley? Thank you. I can never... I know it's something Alley. Yeah, But Dory I always want to call it Diagon Alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's... I mean... No, well, it's weird because Dory... It's pronounced Dory, but the... It's spelled D-O-R-E. So I was oh, like, Dory. that is weird. It's like Dory. Yeah. Alley, I think. Anyway. There's... I mean, even in San Francisco, I, <laughs> one of the first places I went to when I was hanging out there a lot was a, uh, I just ended up in this coffee shop that was BDSM themed. So they like had coffee and food, but they also had like just kink stuff everywhere, like for sale and just on display and as art. Whoa. It's cool. That's an interesting combo of stuff. (laughs) So that brings me up to present day right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that was the history of BDSM in a nutshell. (laughs) I thought that was super fascinating, like, especially like looking back in history, you know, it's it's hard to know exactly what mm-hmm. their thoughts were about these things, you know, if all we have is like a book or maybe a painting. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see kind of like what's it, what it's inspired now and how much that still influences things. Yeah. It almost feels in some ways like we've come full circle, like ancient and, and you know, early human sexuality included pain sometimes Mm -hmm. and included domination sometimes but there was an emphasis on consent in many cases at least and then we kind of went through this period of like shaming sexuality anything that was different from you know straight missionary sex right now we've you know through very very hard fought and won rights have like come back to Mm -hmm. this might not be the norm but consensual play amongst adults is yeah fine (laughs) and we just need uh like instagram and places to stop censoring sex educator accounts so that people can get important information on how to do these things safely that'd be nice yes and we need fosta and sesta to not exist yeah because i mean one of the things that i didn't really touch on in, in this is that like kink and bdsm would not be what it is without sex workers there was yeah a long period of time where if you were kinky, you could not engage in this without being shamed or feeling like you were broken, right? Mm-hmm. So sex workers from the beginning of time <laughs> have engaged in this consensually and with clients mm-hmm. and are often educators around a lot of this stuff, yeah. how to do it safely and properly and how to mm-hmm. communicate, which is a huge deal in BDSM. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 
Also, if we could stop censoring and treating sex workers like garbage, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, Jen, thank you so much for like researching (laughs) all of this. This is like, I feel like I learned so much. Yeah, it was fun. The last however long this ends up being. Yeah. (laughs) If, I mean, if you guys have any interesting kink facts or whatever please share them with us you can dm us or comment on our posts on instagram at sex ed podcast or you can email us at sexedpod at gmail.com or visit our website sexedpodcast.com thanks everyone for tuning in and thank you to kent for mastering our sound yes you're the best you are the best thank you kent And thank you to everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next week. My partner, my partner just sent me a picture of a bookstore that he's at. And he sent me a picture of, oh, it's pop-up Kama Sutra. Whoa. (laughs) Put an eye out. Be careful with that thing. That sounds fun. I hope he got it. It does sound fun. Maybe there's like um, little tabs you can pull for like joyful hitting. (laughs) (laughs) Joyful scratching. Yeah. Scratch and sniff. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Too far. (laughs) 